Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome back to Topical Brainstorm. I'm Garrett Fox, and I'm here with my co-host, Christian Larson. Christian, how are you today? I'm good. How are you, Garrett? I'm doing well. Slept pretty well. It was good. We're recording in the morning, which doesn't usually happen. It's kind of nice. Yeah, it is nice. Yeah. Today's actually Labor Day, so mm-hmm. you got any plans for today? Uh, homework. Yeah, me, me too, man. It sucks. It's so lame. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> My in-laws wanted to like roast a turkey or something, ooh. but my wife might have to work today. She's on call, so she she might get off, but her sister had to work and I have homework, so we all disappointed my in-laws with with obligations, but dude, that way, sucks. It's the way it is sometimes, I guess. Yeah, that sucks. <laughs> I wonder what my parents are doing. Maybe I'll... Nah, maybe not. <laughs> if I didn't have to work tomorrow, I would just drive down there. Yeah. It's kind of nice with online school because I can do that if I don't work, but most days I work, so... Yeah. Working two jobs, right? Yeah. Working at the lab and working at the pharmacy. I want to start phasing out one of them. And that will probably, well, I'm not going to say which one on here. Have I already said that? Have I mentioned that? Uh, I don't know. You've told me, but I don't know yeah. if that was. <laughs> we don't have to get into it. <laughs> yeah. That's probably a wise decision, you know. Um, I've done a pretty good job keeping this podcast, you know, secret from everyone at work. And that's probably the way it's going to stay until I. Phase them yeah. out phase one of them out yeah <laughs> yeah fair enough All right. until we become big and this is our full-time job you know <laughs> all right all right let's hop into the chapter um today's chapter again we're in the uh section three and that is influencing people section um the chapter is entitled a sure way to a sure way of making enemies and how to avoid it. Uh, what did you think about this chapter, man? Um, I liked it. <laughs> Sorry, I'm yawning. Um, it's it's the morning time. I liked it. I thought, as we spoke about last episode, it kind of left us wanting more, as far as you know, more tactics to. Because uh, last last week was about. You can't win an argument, so it's basically about avoiding arguments. And then this chapter, getting a little more into it, is basically basically the idea that you should never tell anyone flat out that they're wrong about something, and that there are there are um, better, more diplomatic ways of of telling people they're wrong. You know, yeah, um, which is kind of another tactic along with don't get into arguments. And I'm I'm still hoping there's more to come, and I'm I'm sure there will be. But but it was good. There were a lot of good stories and good principles in here. Um, and one of them that I specifically liked a lot was about Benjamin Franklin. <clears throat> and it talks about how he, as a as a fairly young man, he was um, he's obviously a very famous smart guy, and as I'm assuming he was probably in his 20s or maybe early 30s, I don't know. But at one point, he was 
pretty educated and he knew it, right? And so one of his older, it says an old Quaker friend, took him aside and and um, I'll just read what his friend said. He said, Ben, you are impossible. Your opinions have a slap in them for everyone who differs from you. They have become so offensive that nobody cares for them. Your friends find they enjoy themselves better when you are not around. You know so much that no man can tell you anything. Indeed, no man is going to try, for the effort would lead only to discomfort and hard work. So you are not likely ever to know any more than you know now, which is very little. Which is uh, very blunt. And uh, the type of thing that Del Carnegie would probably tell us never to say. But... It sounds like the old guy said it with love because that definitely changed Ben Franklin's life. Um, and he became much more willing to listen and um, developed all the other attributes he needed to become, you know, one of our founding fathers. So I thought that was a great example of this principle. Yeah, I liked how he, he went in and talked about the tactics that he used to become more more diplomatic, I guess. Um, he would, he stopped saying definite terms like, uh, what was it like? Um, certainly, certainly. And some other ones. And he would throw in some indefinite things. Uh, maybe I should open up to that. I I have, I I can read it right here. Yeah, do do that. He stopped saying certainly and undoubtedly, undoubtedly, whatever. I can't pronounce that, but. And instead, he said, I conceive or I apprehend or I imagine. Um, yeah, that's, that's the yeah. part I'm thinking you're trying to say. <laughs> yeah, for sure. He would say those, um, I, like, I imagine, and then he would say his, his point, which, mean, which kind of kept a barrier down instead of like having that other person throw a barrier up right away. And it left it left that person with an open mind and willing to consider his point of view. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that was a great tactic. I, I think that's that's my version of this. I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I think I say I think a lot, but it's not always to avoid an argument. It's more like I'm unsure of it anyway. Yeah. Um. But that's that's a great thing to put into practice, especially because I'm sure I don't say I think when I'm very sure of something. Yeah. So I need to work on this when there's something that I, you know, I'm absolutely sure that I'm right. I need to start saying that as well. Because that's that's when you get into trouble, you know. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I'm not going to lie to you, Christian. A lot of the time. I. I'm at the point where I know I'm right, even though I'm wrong a lot. You know, it's like, as I was reading this chapter, I was like, crap, I have so much I need to work on because I do this kind of stuff all the time where like, especially, and he, he talks about this. He talks about like, if you jump down someone's throat, they will become defensive. Even if they know they're wrong, they'll fight for what they are wrong about. And it's true. Like, I do that all the time. Just because someone tells me I'm wrong, I'm like, I hate you, blah, blah, blah. And then I fight back, you know? And it's the total wrong, wrong way to do that. Like, you should just stop telling people, stop doing to others what you hate, 
when it's done to you, you know? I hate when people jump down my throat, so I should stop jumping down others' throats, and I should consider their ideas and their uh, their opinions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, an example from this book, from the author himself, that I think portrays exactly what you just said. Um, I'll just read it word for word. It says, I once employed an interior decorator to make some draperies for my home. When the bill arrived, I was dismayed. A few days later, a friend dropped in and looked at the draperies. The price was mentioned, and she exclaimed with a note of triumph, What? That's awful. I'm afraid he put one over on you. And so Del Carnegie instantly got defensive, and he was just like, he's like, well, you got to pay good money to get the best stuff, and yada, yada, yada. And then the very next day, another friend dropped in, admired the draperies, and said with enthusiasm that she she wished that she could afford such exquisite creations for her home. And that time... The author reacted by saying, well, to tell you the truth, I can't afford them myself. I paid too much. I'm sorry. I ordered them. So it's like talking about the exact same item, right? These these draperies, these curtains. And the way that he reacted to each one is completely different, right? So, yeah, I think that exhibits exactly what you just said. We're like, even when we're wrong, we don't like to admit we're wrong and we can get defensive if someone like, says something bluntly to us, you know? Yeah, if someone tells us we're wrong, then we are no longer wrong in our minds. We justify our wrongness. It's really weird, weird paradox. Yeah. Another another theme in this chapter is um, he talks about if you... So a direct quote from the chapter is, if you are going to prove anything, don't let anybody know it. Um, and then he gives three quotes from three different people in history or four different people in history, four different quotes. One is from Alexander Pope. It says, men must be taught as if you taught them not. Then Galileo said, you cannot teach a man anything. You can only help him to find it within himself. Uh, Lord Chesterfield, I don't know who that is, but he said, be wiser than other people. Uh, if if you can, but do not tell them so. And then the last one was from Socrates, who said, one thing only I know, and that is that I know nothing. So all of these talk about how to be persuasive, except for Socrates, who kind of has the other the other side to that coin, I guess, where the the other the Galileo, Chesterfield, and, and uh, Pope are all talking about... They're talking about how to persuade, okay? If you want to persuade someone, if you want to convince someone of your idea or that you're right, you have to do it without them knowing, um, as if they're not being taught, you know? As if, as if it's their own idea, um whereas socrates talks about how to how to react when maybe someone says something blunt to you like you're wrong i just find it very interesting i i like socrates quote a lot you know just having having that mindset and it was kind of mentioned with the ben franklin story too but having the mindset that 
anyone who tries to tell you anything, they can be right. And I think we talked about this in the last episode too. But if you if you think that everyone you talk to could very well be right and you could be wrong, not only is gonna that that's gonna avoid a lot of conflict, but it's also you're gonna learn a lot more over time because you're gonna be wrong a lot. Yeah. And he starts off this chapter by mentioning Theodore Roosevelt again, who I think he mentions Theodore Roosevelt more than anybody in this book so far. Yeah, I think those, <laughs> those two must have been friends or something. Yeah, or at least he, yeah. He obviously respected the guy a yeah. lot. But, um, yeah, they probably were friends. They were alive at the same time, so. <laughs> I mean, there's probably an age gap, but they could have been friends. Could have been. Anyway, he mentions Theodore Roosevelt, and he says, when Theodore Roosevelt was in the White House, he confessed that if he could be right 75% of the time, he would reach the highest measure of his expectation. So Theodore Roosevelt kind of, he, he knew that he would be wrong sometimes, right? Like a fourth of the time that he had an opinion, it, it could very well be wrong. And he was aware of that, and I'm sure that helped him a lot. And then Del Carney goes on to say, what if we lower that number to 55% of the time? If you can be right 55% of the time, he says, you can go down to Wall Street and make a million dollars a day, which is, I mean, that's obviously very few of us could do that. No one could do that consistently, right? Which means we're potentially not even right 55% of the time. Um, and I think that's a good reminder for anybody to remember when you're having a conversation with someone or a disagreement with someone that you're, you're very likely to be wrong, you know, half the time. <laughs> yeah, that sucks. <laughs> which, which sucks. And that's, that's, that's a hard thing to like, um, you know, put on yourself because we're all prideful in our own ways. Right. And we all think we're right most of the time. Um, but having that mindset is going to do wonders for you in your relationships and in, in pretty much everything in life. Yeah, for sure. I'm really bad at at that, to be honest. <laughs> I do not like being well, just like anyone. I don't like being wrong. I don't like admitting that I'm wrong. I don't like realizing that I could be wrong. So that is something I need to work on for sure. Same. Probably the whole world needs to work on that. <laughs> yeah. I bet most people, yeah, yeah, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) Huh, that's an interesting, an interesting point in this book. Yeah, I mean, that kind of goes back to, in the earlier chapters, he mentions a couple times that we spend almost all of our time thinking about ourselves, you know? Yeah, I feel like it's along those lines where we're all pretty self-absorbed at times, most of the time, according to the author. And, and um, again, if we can step out of that, I think that'll also help us to step out of the concept that we're always right, you know? Yeah, I That's, agree with you. It's a hard thing to do, though. It's a super hard thing to do. <clears throat> so, with that in mind, do you have any examples of of this principle in your life at all? Any recent or? Um, let me think. I, 
one example kind of from just like yesterday um and it's it's about my wife again as <laughs> most of my stories are but um we we play a lot of you know board games and card games with each other and, and with both of our families we both um were raised playing a lot of games and and we've had our fair share of disagreements over those um situ- <laughs> situations because because we're both pretty competitive and um regardless kylie's birthday was last month and her mom or her parents bought her this new game called killer bunnies that's it's pretty complex and uh they're like instructions on all the cards, but they're not super clear. So it's just led to like, we've played it three or four times now with her family. And every time there are just like some disagreements on like what the instructions mean because they're Mm. not the clearest thing ever. And, um, even yesterday we played this game and, uh, it was this, you know, there was some card that was confusing and, and me and Kylie disagreed on on how it should be played. And it's really hard to just be like, okay, you're right. This doesn't matter. And I, I thought about the last chapter we read, right? Where <laughs> yeah. it's like it's like a useless argument. It doesn't matter. But I was so I was still, I was like, I tried to just be like, <laughs> I tried to be like, okay, you know, you're right. We're good. Let's just keep playing. It doesn't matter. Yeah. But I was still like just a little upset about it. And I couldn't quite like hide that body language very well, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Which, which is, which I'm upset about. I wish I could because it, it didn't matter. And in the end, my wife was right. And like after we read the rules and talked about it, we're like, okay, I see your point of view better. I think what you were saying makes more sense than what I thought. Um, but it's still like not a natural thing to do, even with something that, you know, insignificant. No, it's not for sure. Like, Especially when it comes to winning and losing something. Yeah. <laughs> like a game. Like <laughs> that's some real to be able to just be like, yeah, you're right. Like that that's hard. That's a good example, man. Hmm. I was just thinking about um for some reason lately at the pharmacy, there's been some debates at but like political debates between a few people mm-hmm. and i i try to just like sit back and listen until my opinion is asked for yeah um and even then i i like hate giving it because there are a lot of pretty liberal leaning people that work there yeah and i'm the exact opposite <laughs> um but I, by just sitting back and listening, I've realized that a lot of them make some pretty fair points about some arguments, um, which is nice because most people I've talked to that lean that way don't. So, and maybe that's just because I've never given them the time of day or, or whatever. I don't really listen to that side as much as I should. And I think it'll be a lot easier to, after having read read the, these two chapters, to just like let things go, realize I'm not right all the time, 
Um, the unfortunate thing by doing that is, you know, other people don't realize that they're not right all the time. <laughs> that's what's, that's like my hang up right now is I can, by reading this, I can realize that I'm not right all the time, but I will, would absolutely hate it to let other people think that they're right all the time, you know, cause they're not. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Which is the wrong way to view it, but that's like where I'm at right now, you know? No, I, I get it. That is, I mean, you're right. That's not the ideal way to to view this concept, but I, I get it for sure. And he does he does tell a few stories about that. Um, he kind of like what you said at the start of the chapter about never, if you're going to prove anything, don't let anybody know it, you know? Which is like... yeah. A way of a way of getting your point across and a way of helping someone understand that maybe they were wrong just without doing it in a way that offends that person, right? Yeah, for sure. Which, which again, and we talked about this last episode, that's so hard to do with political views. Ooh. Because yes. there's so much division and and just like if you're if you're hard on one side of the spectrum, it's so hard to truly understand the other side. You know, yeah. like you were saying with your with your coworkers, um, and that's also one idea that kept coming to mind reading this chapter is just like, what if, you know, like so many people hate Donald Trump, right? Yeah. Like, what if a few of these people use these tactics on him, and instead of just like insulting him twenty, and you know, he insults them back, right? But like, if instead of just like hating on Trump and doing anything you can to tear him down, you like tried to get on his good side a little bit and convince him of something like, I bet that would work so much better for Trump's uh, opponents. <laughs> I mean, it does because I don't know if people have noticed this or not, but if, if you say one thing nice about Trump, he praises you so hard and he's just like immediately behind you. He doesn't even like look into what you're. It doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't seem he, like, he, yeah, like he doesn't care. <laughs> like he's like, Oh, as long as you're like, I mean, he has denounced prior to or uh, despite what news media says and stuff, he has denounced like white supremacists and like racists mm -hmm. and stuff. Yeah. But I mean, if you say if you're just like some here's an example. There's a pizza shop in New York City that had a Trump sign and somebody complained and wanted them to take it down. And they said, no, Trump heard about it. And he just like tweeted about it and was like, hey, everyone uh, go patronize this pizza shop. And they like the next three or four days, they had like their four busiest days of the year, you know, like, yeah, it was nuts. I, I, I believe it. He'll like he'll go out of his way to do things for you if you are just nice to him, you know. Mm -hmm. And same with other people. Yeah. That's true. That's, I mean, that's, yeah, it's pretty universal principle, right? But. Which, um, there's a, there's, so the last page in this book, um, it talks about Martin Luther King, which they must have added this after because. Yeah. When was right. this like 1936? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And Martin Luther King came after that, but, um, 
I'll just read this paragraph real quick. It says, Martin Luther King was asked how, as a pacifist, he could be an admirer of Air Force General Daniel Shappy. I said that wrong. Uh, Shappy James. Then the nation's highest-ranking black officer, Dr. King, replied, I judge people by their own principles, not by my own. Uh, And then the next paragraph, in a similar way, General Robert E. Lee once spoke to the president of the Confederacy, Jefferson Davis, in the most glowing terms about a certain officer under his command. Another officer in attendance was, was astonished. General, he said, how do you know that the man of whom you speak so highly is one of your... Uh, Wait, shoot, let me... General, he said, <laughs> do you know that the man of whom you speak so high, so highly uh, is one of your bitterest enemies who misses no opportunity, opportunity to malign you? Yes, re- replied General Lee, but the president asked me my opinion of him. He did not ask for his opinion of me. I think that is crucial. Like, if you can judge people by not necessarily your, I, I feel like that goes goes into like understanding a person's background and maybe how they're raised and just understanding their point of view better. If you can judge them based off of off of things in their past and understanding them rather than than your point of view, um, a lot of times you'll you'll come to a better conclusion about that person. Yeah, awesome. And I, I think, like you said, there's a lot that goes into being able to do that. But, you know, even like Robert E. Lee and, um, you know, Robert E. Lee is like a villain in, uh, in you know, history. Yeah. Most people would assume, but like he apparently understood this principle pretty well and had, you know, like that's one respectable thing about, about Robert E. Lee, which like is another thing pointing out that even if you completely disagree with someone on a lot of things or don't approve of a lot of things they do, like there's common ground to be found. And, yeah, and I think that's a good point to start when you're trying to maybe, you know, work through a disagreement you have with anybody is finding, finding that common ground. Um, Yeah. And while you were reading that, that reminded me of like, I know I just mentioned if people could use this toward Trump, but like, what if Trump could use this toward other people, you know, (laughs) like, yeah, that would help him. That would help him out so much. If you just stopped insulting everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, my my whole thing is like you can be a bad uh, like okay, you can be a bad person, I guess. Um and be great at whatever it is you do. Mm-hmm. Which sounds counterintuitive, I guess, but I mean, here Trump for example, I don't think he's the greatest person in the world. I think he makes a lot of mistakes. I think he um he's not the most he's not a polished politician, you know. Um 
morally, he's made some questionable decisions as far as like in his personal life. Um, but he's a great business leader. He's a great, um, honestly, I think he's a pretty good president. He, he does what he thinks is right. Uh, and I don't agree with every decision that he makes, but, um, same with Robert E. Lee. He, I don't think he was fighting for a great cause, you know, with the slavery and all that, but he was a great general for sure. Mm -hmm. He led his troops really well. The South was notorious for having the way better generals than the North was or than the North had. You can be great at what you're doing and not necessarily be a great person. Um, And I don't know. Obviously, if I grew up differently, I would be different. And that's something we all have to keep in mind when we when we judge other people. Is uh, There's a quote in this book that uh, Lincoln said about the South, and he said, Do not judge them, for had we been raised differently, we would be the same, or something to that effect, you know? Yeah, yeah. And we, I feel like we as people just need to keep that in mind better. Um, mm-hmm. If I was raised differently, I would be a different person. That's just how it is. Yeah. I I loved that quote that you just mentioned from Abraham Lincoln when we read it a few, you know, a month ago or whatever it was, but that yeah, that perspective just seems to be lacking, you know, everywhere. Yeah. And um I feel like that would that would go really far in just solving a lot of this conflict that we're seeing solving most of the conflict we're seeing if people could have that perspective and strive to understand others before judging them. I agree. Totally agree. And, uh, I do have one story about, uh, conflict and argument that is pretty funny. (laughs) All right, go for it. So (laughs) yesterday I walked down the stairs of my house to this argument happening, all right, between two of my roommates. And they're just like, yell, like, they're really good friends, so I know this was all in good fun. But they're just like screaming at each other, and I was like, what the hell is going on down here? So I'm listening to this argument, and they're arguing about uh, the difference between point of view and... Um, it was like my point of view and my viewpoint. That's what it was. And the difference between the two, the two <laughs> words. And honestly, like I thought like they're pretty much interchangeable. Okay. Yeah. And one of them was arguing that they aren't because one is a physical thing. Like a viewpoint is a physical thing that you, like you stand somewhere and then that's your viewpoint, you know? Whereas point of view, and I understood his argument, um, and like a view, uh, what was it? The viewpoint was the physical thing, and the, what did I say the other one was? Point of view. And my point of view is like, uh, you know, 
your point of view. Your, <laughs> I don't know uh, how to your, explain your, your, your opinion, maybe. Yeah, like exactly. Okay. Yeah. But you can interchange them. And one was arguing that you shouldn't be able to, and the other one was arguing <laughs> that you can. And I was just like, eventually they turned to me, and I was like, I'm not going to lie, guys. I don't think it matters. Like, this is a dumb argument. <laughs> and they're like, we know it's dumb. We've been arguing about it for eight months. <laughs> and I'm oh, just like, <laughs> and it's so funny because the the one that was yelling the loudest, I've like, I have arguments with him all the time. And we don't ever like yell and scream like that. Like, they're pretty, It's it was pretty funny. But, Ultimately, I just couldn't help but but think of the these last couple chapters where I was just like, "Huh, it doesn't matter." <laughs> like, and just let it go. <laughs> yeah, that's that. That reminds me. This is kind of not related, but you brought up an argument between roommates, and I remember when we were roommates, I used to always say, "Like, I." I well, I have to like oh I was itching myself. Oh, I, was... I hate that so much. <laughs> I know, I know you do, and I, and I I don't say that anymore because you corrected me. But <laughs> the the first time you corrected me when I said that, like I have to itch my I have to itch a scratch or something. Like I said it, you know. You have to itch an itch, yeah. I have to itch my itch. Anyway, you were just like <laughs> you were like so upset that I'd said that wrong. <laughs> and I was, I was like, as soon as you said that, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. He's probably right. But I, but I didn't want to admit it to you. So I just, I just started using, I started using itch as a verb even more often just just to bother you, which I think, I think is a, is a, is a bad example, a bad example of this principle that we're reading about right now. But yeah, well, I shouldn't have flat out corrected you like that. Maybe not. (laughs) I hate that so much. (laughs) Now that you say that, like, I do not know how I'm going to apply this principle when someone says, says that because immediately I'm just like, uh, that's wrong. I could tell you were like irritated as soon as I, and (sighs) I had probably said it multiple times and it had probably built up for a while, but once (laughs) Once you finally called me out on it, you were like, you were already worked up about it. And I was like, oh, and then, and then I, you know, oh, that's I, uh, I just wanted to, you know, save my pride and upset you. So I started using it <laughs> daily. But. <clears throat> that's funny. Oh, that's way funny. Yeah. So in case the audience is wondering, uh, you definitely scratch an itch. Uh, you don't, you, you don't itch it. <laughs> you definitely, that's one of the words you're supposed to avoid. Uh, you, all right. I imagine <laughs> that you would, uh, you relieve an itch by scratching it and not, yeah. not by itching it, but I, I mean, to each their own. <laughs> But not, but not really, because <laughs> one way's wrong. Yeah, and Garrett will make sure to let you know. Uh, well, there's a lot of words like that, though, that people have just used incorrectly for so long. For sure, like irregardless. <laughs> I hate that, and they just added that to the dictionary. Actually, did you know that? No, I had. They added that. irregardless to the dictionary as a synonym for regardless. <laughs> well, it's stupid. 
Well, uh, yeah, now you can't get mad at people for using it. It's in the dictionary. I mean, I, I guess not, but please uh, use regardless if if you would. That that would be awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, irregardless, I'm going to read <laughs> the last little paragraph of this chapter. It's All usually right. usually what Garrett does, but uh, I'll I'll do that job today it says in other words don't argue with your customer or your spouse or your adversary don't tell them they are wrong don't get them stirred up use a little diplomacy and defining the final principle is show respect for other person's opinions other people other person's opinions never say you're wrong um so good reminder to uh try to be diplomatic and if you have to, if it's something that doesn't matter, as we spoke of in the last episode, let it go. If you have to tell someone they're wrong, there are many better ways to doing it, um, as opposed to just flat out telling them they're wrong, because that just gets people defensive and uh, doesn't get you anywhere. I agree. I don't have anything left to add to this chapter. What about you? No, me neither. All right. Hey, thanks for listening to Topical Brainstorm. Uh, it's been fun. Please rate and review. Help us out. Yeah. See you next time. Bye. Bye.